Okay, we're live, and I guess our trailer is not going to work, so welcome to Focus on Fantasy Romance. I am your host, Al Klaus, and with me today I have my usual co-host, I've got A.R. DeClerc. Say hi. Hello. And Paulina Woods. Hello. And hopefully a recurring friend of the show, her name Mason. Hello. And today we're doing an interview for Paulina Woods. And this will be one of three formats we have for the show. Uh, I will read you Paulina's bio from Amazon. Uh, Paulina is a small town girl with big dreams. She is the second oldest of three talented siblings. As early as three, she was directing her family around acting out whatever current story was in her head. At four, between her older brother and her, a whole universe was created, which the younger siblings were introduced into as they were born. Her natural ability to tell a story took her down many paths. She wrote plays, poems, small children's books, and short stories all before she went to high school. When picking a career, her counselor told her writing was a dying art, and so she went to school for veterinary and science. Three years later, she dropped out of university and went to a community college, picking up journalism like a pro. In 2008, she graduated with her BA in communication journalism from Cal State Fullerton. Life got in the way, but in 2013, she started a review blog, and in 2014, she released her first book, which I have right here, Stone Guardian. So welcome to the show, Paulina. Thank you. So we're going to do this a little structured. We're going to kind of take turns asking our questions and kind of pass the, the baton, so to speak. So um, I would like Amy to start because Amy had a very thorough list of questions. Go ahead, Amy. Okay. Um, hi, Paulina. Hi, Amy. So um, the first question that I was going to ask you, I think, um, is one that's pretty standard for most authors. Um, tell us what inspires you to write. What, um, what things do you do to uh, become inspired to write a new story? Mm. Well, what inspired me to write in the beginning was my mother. She actually, she's a writer, but she's kind of a shy one. She hasn't published anything. So when I was probably like eight or nine, my mom used to start reading her, reading us her stories, and it kind of made me want to, oh, mom, I want to do the same thing. So I sat down, and we actually wrote one together that we're hoping to publish, you know, giving time. But um, just watching my mom, like, create worlds kind of made me go, ooh, that's something I want to do. I kind of went the different route. My mom's more religious, and, well, mine are more dirty, but... Like every time I get in a rut, I just I see what my mom is. My mom always tells me, I didn't get to publish. I didn't follow my dream, but you need to. So my whole motivation is to is to show the world, hey, and maybe maybe my mom will finish her three books that she started. So that's my motivation for writing. Very cool. Uh, so my next question, um, and not all authors are the same. I like to listen to music um, when I'm writing. Is there any specific band or playlist um, that you would say you would 
most like to listen to if you were writing your next book? I'm odd. I don't listen to music when I write books. The only time I ever listen to music is in the car. I have a country station that I play. When I'm writing, I have on Investigation Discovery, so I'm listening to murder mysteries and the such. I kind of, I find it more motivating to put that into the background. Um, music to me, just I don't know, it's a car thing, so I never listen to it in the house. So mine is all murder mysteries and who killed who, and I'm like yelling at the TV, and they're like, oh wait, that looks like a group plot. Like, I don't know if maybe it stimulates my mind or whatever, but that's what I have to listen. I mean, I have to be watching to be able to write. Very cool. Very cool. I like to have uh, Criminal Minds on reruns playing constantly <laughs> sometimes that's because it's just droning noise, but every now and then I look up and like, oh, there's Reed, so then I'm good. You know. So. Yeah, you have to love Reed. I love him. You have to. And if he's dressed like Doctor Who, like it's all over for me right there. I'm just like, oh, it's Doctor Reed. Maybe he'll yeah. do it again this season. Oh, I hope so. He's so cute. Um, so another question that came to mind when we were talking about interviewing um, each other was um, if you could have your book um, in Barnes and Noble on a bookshelf next to any other authors. Um, who would you most want your book um, to be shelved with? That's actually an easy one. I would love my books to be shelved next to um, Sharon Kenyon, only because I've had so many people tell me that my books run more towards her. She's more mythology. She's more, you know, fantasy. And I had one girl actually tell me, she's like, you know, after I finish reading your book, I have a bookshelf and yours went right next to Sharon Kenyon. I'm like, yes. And I met her like three times, and I just, I love her. So I'm like, put me right next to her, right there. It'd be beautiful. I love her too. She's very talented and very prolific. So, oh, and yeah, she, she's an person, excellent choice. In person, she's funny, and she's little. Yeah, she's I kind of get some of the humor in her books. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, that's a good choice. She she's definitely one you'd want to be shelved next to, in the fantasy romance genre for sure. I think. Um, okay, so I'll wrap up my questions and ask you one more. Um, so when you, you know, grow up, um, what do you see yourself doing um, as an author maybe five or ten years down the road? Where do you want to be? Um, I already have a list of books I have to write. Not need to write. I have to write. Um, and I actually am hoping to have out finish out my Witch's Amulet series next year, um, start a, a sci-fi fantasy, and kind of finish out another um, African um, urban fantasy. So I'm hoping to be one of the top writers of African fantasy. That's what I'm, that's what I'm pushing towards, this African, African fantasy writer. Yeah, that's a, yeah that's, a, that's a pretty good niche genre to want to aim for because I think it's... Um, less explored probably so it might be the next breakout thing so maybe I, I think you're aiming for a good spot there um, okay so I'll pass off the questions on um, to whoever's next um, L if you wanted to take over from here and thank you so much for answering my questions Paulina so 
uh, everyone on the podcast, at least in the, the video feed, is uh, a writer, and everyone has their own kind of process for how they come up with stories and how they develop their characters. So in uh, Stone Guardian, which I've read and loved, uh, I wanted to know your inspiration and how you pronounce your main character's name. I called, I was saying Milka. Is that how you pronounce it? Um, I call her Mike. I used to call her Micah until someone was like, there's an L. And I was like, you know what? In my head, fine. Yes, it's, it's pronounced Milka. So, <laughs> you were pronouncing it right. Well, um, it's because I found her name because I needed a name that meant strength. So that's kind of where I got her name from. And then, unfortunately, my brain just kind of pronounced it the way it wanted to. Just like Gerard, it's not Jared, it's Gerard, which a lot of people don't really notice either. So that's her mate's pronunciation. So, what was your inspiration for this character? And um, I know a lot of, at least a lot of mine, my characters kind of have at least one essence of myself in it. Um, so, how much of your character is based on um, yourself? The whole book, um, almost all of my characters come from people I actually know in life from either one of my jobs. Um, so, Milka is actually takes on a lot of characteristics of me. Um, other than the fact she doesn't cuss as much, um, but she's people who read it at work. They even see um, in Gerard, they see my boyfriend, which is I'm like, no, wait, no, I promise it's not. And they're like, no, yeah, it is. You know, my boyfriend's an ass, and he's an ass sometimes, and but he's really sweet. Um, also, she's kind of shy, she's heavier, and so I think I just draw from people around me, honestly. And she, she's me. Like I can actually see me in her. And not in just the way the artist decided to draw her. Who, by the way, she hadn't seen me when she drew that picture, which was kind of odd. I can show you. Yes. People are like, oh, is that you? No, it's not, I promise. <laughs> cool. Um, of course, now I'm drawing an absolute blank. Uh, like I said, I really enjoyed the book, and um, I wanted you to... Uh, without giving away any spoilers, tell us a little bit about Stone Guardian for anyone who hasn't read it or isn't familiar with your work. Um, as Stephen King once said, there is no such thing as spoilers because you still have to take the journey. But I won't give away the ending of the book. But um, basically, um, it follows um, Milka, who believes she's about... I believe in the book open, she believes she's in her early, her mid-twenties. Um, she's poor, she's trying to scrape out an ending, in a, basically in a town like I grew up in. You know, one-horse town, there's two restaurants and 500 bars and, you know, no romantic aspects. And so she, in the book, she journeys and finds out, you know, her best friend isn't who she thought she was. She's not who she thought she was. And there's a whole world out there that she never, that she's part of, and that she's actually a very important part of. And so it's kind of, um, it's kind of a discovery, a self-discovery book. It, and it, to me, it kind of follows how I discovered myself when I left my hometown. I didn't find a supernatural world, but I found that the world wasn't as small as I thought it was. And that's kind of what she figures out, that the universe isn't as small as she thought it was. Oh, cool. Can you tell us a little bit about 
your writing process, like your day-to-day, week-to-week writing process? How long did it take you to write the first book? Uh, the first book, it took me about four months to write the first draft. Um, my bosses know this, so I can actually say it. I'm a drink server, so in between drink serving drinks, I actually write. I carry a little notebook with me. It's in my apron. I pull it out. I'm writing. So um, I do most of my rough draft at work. Uh, it's easier. Also, there's more um, inspiration. <laughs> like, you know, I don't like somebody that comes up to my window. I'm like, ooh, you make a good villain. Um, so my writing process, I write in that book. I come home, um, and on my weekends, I take everything out of the book, write it, put it onto my computer, and then kind of edit from there. And then the next week, I'll write, the re- I'll write some more of it, take it home on my Friday, right from there. I found that if I try to write at home, if I try to write at home, I get distracted. Not distracted. There's just there's, like I said, I watch TV and it's just like mm, I don't have nothing new in my head. But at work, I seem to find all my inspiration. So it's just easier to write the rough draft there and then clean it up once I get home. Well, that must be nice to have a, a job that you can use your downtime to, to write down story ideas. I, I can use my off-the-clock off time at my job, but if I got caught with a notepad, I think they'd uh, be like, ah, not this. Well, I always say that at my job, if I could find a big gorilla and give him shock therapy, he could do my job. It's, it's not hard. Also, I'm lucky my head manager is one of my beta readers. So she'll pop in once in a while and be like, okay, what are you doing? What's happening? Oh, does so-and-so meet? I'm like, okay, calm down. I'm writing. You know, and she's like, but, 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 but. I'm like, fine, you can name the next character. Now go away. So I think that's kind of a big thing. So I'm like, yay. <laughs> it's, it's always helpful when you have uh, the support around you that you need. Is your family supportive of what you do? Yes. Um, none of them have read my book. My little brother says, I'm not reading anything that has sex in it from your brain. My older brother, is he bought the book for his girlfriend and then said, she'll read it. My sister bought it for everyone, you know, all her friends back home. She wanted, They wanted signed copies, but she won't read it either. She says she won't read anything with sex from my brain either. Um, and my mom, like I said, is really religious, so she won't read it, but she encourages me to continue writing. So... They're very supportive, and most of my aunties back home, I have 11 aunties and one uncle in the immediate family, um, almost all of them have bought it, some of my cousins, so I mean, they're supportive, half of them haven't read it, but they'll buy it, which is good enough for me. Well, that's good, like I said, not everybody has a supportive um, family. What was the biggest thing that uh, you was a kind of a surprise when you actually started down the author path that you, you didn't think was an issue or that you thought would go uh, smoother. What was kind of the biggest surprise um, during your journey? Um, letting other people read it, I guess you can say. I if, if I pulled out of my closet, I have stacks of notebooks, um, from just going back years where I've written. So writing wasn't hard for me. The surprising part was when people start reading it, I start getting reviews in, and started realizing that you can't just write something, kind of edit it and throw it out to the world. Um, 
that there's a lot more to it than that. That you know, you have to actually go through with a fine tooth comb. You need to have steps. You have to go through your beta readers. You have to go through an editor. You have to go through you know more than one editing process. You can't just have them edit once and go, okay, it's good, let's go. Um, so I think it was more just the process of all the little things that I kind of missed along my way the first time I decided to take you know to take the first steps into editing that was surprising. Okay, so Stone Guardian is the beginning of a series, correct? Oh, sorry, yes, I turned <laughs> off my mic. <laughs> yeah. um, can you tell us a little bit about book two and three? I know book two is out and book three is on its way. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the series is going to hold for the reader? Um, you're going to follow, there's going to be five girls, one guy. Um, so book two, I'm not really giving anything away, so book two is um, about her brother, and he's a seer. So um, it's based on the five elements. She's fire. He's also fire, but he's a seer. She's a healer. Um, if you ever play video games, you'll understand what I'm going through now. So I have a warrior. I have a cleanser. Um, I have a tank. Basically, characters. these characters are going to be very, um, they have to work together. So in a bigger fight, air is shield, so she'll have she'll be able to shield them from other, you know, from attacks. While the healer is there, they have to all protect the healer basically, so she can heal them later. But she's also a fighter. They have um, it's basically a big video game. That's that's the only way like I can even explain it now. When people ask me, I'm like, it's a video game, and it's awesome. Because I get to, I made it up, so it's gonna be an amazing video game. Um, so you meet the witches in book three. You actually meet the head witches that are evil. Um, I like them because they're evil, but I don't like what they did. So I, you know, I'm, I'm like, should I kill them or should I just keep them captive and make them good someday? I don't know. But um, it, it's gonna be an interesting game. Not game, sorry, series. I, I think of it as a game in my head. It's easier to keep things in order. So, I think it's going to be fun. And hopefully it may be to get picked up as a video game. <laughs> that I would like to see. Um, I did a lot of gaming when I was younger. I don't have a lot of time now because I'm focusing on writing and raising children that are jerks. Um, but what video games did you play that may have inspired your books? <laughs> what video games don't I play? Um, this, like, I like video games where you get to play with magic. So my favorite is Dragon Age. And I think that kind of inspired the, like, I knew I was going to play around with elements. Um, so I'm like, okay, they're elemental. But in Dragon Age, they actually, the characters are more elemental too. So it kind of helps me go, okay, that's what it would look like. Okay, that's probably how they would react. So I play Dragon Age, I play Mass Effect, um, I play any basically any RPG where I can make up a character and go fight bad guys and have fun doing it. And I don't like playing in groups, so I don't play a lot of online because then I just get mad and cuss people out. But for the most part, I play RPGs and I can play for hours, which is not good. <laughs> no, it's called being dedicated. That's why. Oh, okay, I am dedicated to my game. Okay, I'm going to take a break from questions for a little bit. Um, Renee, do you have some questions for Paulina? 
I think I have a few. <laughs> Yay. Look, she's nervous. <laughs> no, the, fir the first one's pretty, pretty simple. Uh, supernatural creatures. I know that you, in your book you have some different, not your typical supernatural creatures. So could you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, I, I have both typical and non-typical, but mostly mine is the um, heroes are gargoyles. I love gargoyles. I've always loved them. Um, from the moment I watched Disney's gargoyles, to me, the big winged creatures who look fearsome, but they're gentle as kittens. And I wanted to tell a different story of gargoyles than what most people um, kind of read about. Usually in romance with gargoyles, they switch to human. They're very, um, they have human feelings. Mine don't. Mine are very monstrous. They, I mean, they love to fight. So it, I don't, I don't make them human. They're, they're monsters, but they're gentle monsters and cute monsters. I love them. It's all that crime drama going on in the background, right? Yes. <laughs> and, they're right. and they're sexy. Of course. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way, right? So, with that in mind, what was the hardest thing about writing gargoyles, especially since you were taking a different, different approach to them? I think the hardest part was bringing them to life in a, such a way that they can interact with humans. They, to me, they're alive. I can see them standing, but again, you have to make them be able to, like, um, they're huge, so they're seven feet tall. I didn't know how big seven feet tall was till a guy walked into my job, and I was like, oh, that's not going to work, um, especially if his mate's like 5'5". Five, five. I mean, I don't even know how that works now, but, you know, I had to basically find a way to make monsters work with humans and make it believable. <laughs> so it was, um, yes, yeah, sexy swings will be nice. Maybe I'll put them into my next one in one of their private homes. Um, but it, that was the hardest part, I think, was trying to make them actually interact with humans. You have to turn your mic on, Renee. I'm not used to this, see? All right, so <laughs> so you talked a little bit about um, taking your notes at work. Do you do you outline or do you or is it are you a panster or are you an outliner? Do you plot the entire thing out and then write? How how do you go about it? If I try to plot, I seriously start throwing pins against the wall. I'll probably throw coffee at people. Um, I write from usually from beginning to end. Sometimes I'll skip over scenes. Like I just write whatever's in my head. And if I'm on a good one, I don't even hear the guests. I'm just like, no, no, no. Like, excuse me, ma'am. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. What did you need? And the whole time I'm talking to them in my head, I'm like, okay, now where did I stop? Where are they going? I write from beginning to end. I don't plot. I one thing I always tell people, I was surprised when witches showed up. I was I was typing and I was like, well, who's the villain? Well, I don't know yet. So I, the witches at first weren't the villain, and then Lilith showed up. Showed up. Um, I went to lunch with my boyfriend. I looked at him. I was like, guess what? He's like, what? I was like, did you know witches are bad? They're evil. And he just looks at me. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, they're evil. I think they're, oh, my God. I just start writing again. And he was like sitting there. He's like, are you going to eat lunch with me? I'm like, yeah, whatever. 
I'm, I'm busy. So um, my characters come to me. I can't plot them out. I tried, and they just seem so fake. <laughs> I completely understand. I have the same problem. So from from your support system at work, was there were there any any comments that surprised you or anyone that, that, that approached you that couldn't believe that you were doing this? Your mic? Well, not that they couldn't believe that I was doing it because of the way I am at work. They were surprised that I went through with the publishing of it. Um, some of them, the less, not less supportive, just people I don't really talk to because my personality is kind of like in your face. Um, they were more like, wait, you write? What? What do you write? You know, and if I say fantasy romance, you get that little blank stare. And you're like, no, 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 no. It's good fantasy romance. So, I mean, I don't think it was more surprise. I think it was just like, oh, you actually publish. You're not just writing. Yeah, I, I went out there and published it. <laughs> so which character is your favorite? So far, Marcus. He's in the second book. Um, he basically was locked away from the world forever in a stable. And he's just so darn cute. And he's growing into his power throughout the series. Um, I didn't want him to grow into his power too quickly in his book because of the fact he's a powerful seer. And as I watch him grow, and he's showed up in book three, and I'm just like, oh, I want to keep you forever as mine. And then I'll have to fight Mark Michael for him. So I'm like, fine, you can keep your mate, but you're my favorite so far. We'll see what happens after a while. So what was the most challenging thing about writing your books? Uh, writing. I have, um, I have a learning disability, so I have a very hard time focusing. So my whole thing is I see things in my head. I can explain them. But when it comes time to actually throw it up on paper, sometimes I get stuck and I get frustrated. And so then I'll end up either watching TV, playing a video game, or just saying, nah, like um, this week. I kind of threw my hands in the air and, you know, I didn't do any writing, which isn't good because now I'm a little bit behind. But sometimes I just have to step away because my brain's like, no, not going to happen. It's not going to happen this week or this month. So I think that's the greatest challenge is kind of overcoming that kind of the blockage that my brain puts up in itself. So you talked about your future projects. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Um, I think my favorite one that I'm, that I'm just jumping up and down about finishing, it's going to be huge though, is it's a, it's a story, it's a Sega, it's going to be three books, and it follows a family from the fall of civilization into the stars. The planet's dying. And I always tell people, this is going to be one. I cried. Um, the first scene in the whole book, I, I cried. And I read it to my mom, and she's just like, I can't believe you did that. I didn't raise you that way. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it happened. And um, this is going to be, I think this is going to be the one that's nearest and dearest to my heart. I love space travel. Um... I believe, you know, like, we have to take care of the environment. I kind of talk about what happens when we don't. We have to escape the Earth. But I also bring in facts about we're the only mam animal in the world who will take care of the weaker in our species. 
And so I kind of touch on that a little bit. And I make hard decisions. And that's another thing, you know, that I think this, this is going to be a Sega that makes people think, make people cry, make people mad. And I'm excited to get it going. <laughs> so um, that's one. I'm also writing a demon series that's um, based in Africa. It's based out of Kenya. Um, instead of following more of the Western culture fairy tales, I'm trying to go back to, you know, trying to do African fairy tales, African lore. So that one's called The Demon Within. Um, that's going to be more urban fan urban fantasy because it's going to follow one character for about three, four books. And then I'm also, I'm looking at maybe cross my fingers because my mom's begging me. I might do a Western story that's not going to be, um, what is it called? Um, there's not going to be any sex in it. There's not going to be, it's going to be like kind of churchy. But I think I'm going to write it under a different name just because there's no way I'm going to put my name on something like that. But my mom wants it. So I'm like, okay, mom, I'll write one just for you because, you know, she's my mom. <laughs> so we'll see how that one goes. Churchy. <laughs> no, that's great. So I, that's, that's really all I had for right now. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Elle. So do you find that it's hard to... Can you hear me? <laughs> okay, I, I, I see people nodding. So do you find it's hard to um, switch between fantasy and the sci-fi elements and then urban? I mean, is this all just something that you've always always done? Because I know that genre, some people are like, well, you don't cross lines in genre. You, you, genre is, you know, finite and don't cross over. And fantasy romance in and of itself is kind of... Definitely, definitely niche. But do you find it difficult to switch from like a sci-fi romance to a fantasy romance to an urban type romance? Not really. They're all the they're all the same to me. To I just write. I mean, I have to put labels on them to be able to market them. But in my head, it's all the same. It's a it's a person trying to get somewhere and throw a bunch of magic in there. And every single one of my books are going to have magic, except for of course my sci-fi. Um, it's more, well, yeah, there might be, not magic, but there might be otherworldly creatures later on, but, um, to me it's all the, it, a book is all the same, like, I read, example, I read Scottish romance, I love it, but to me, Scottish romance and reading about someone in America during the 20th, you know, during the 15th century, to me it's all the same, it's still a man and woman fall in love, so... It just matters what they wear and how they talk. So no, it's not hard for me to switch at all. As a right, I mean, right before this, I was writing the demon one, and when I get done, I have to go finish up um, a short that I have no name for. Mm. Yeah. So you started. Um, so you'll start a project not knowing the name of it, not knowing uh, what it's actually going to end up being. Yep. Um. Stone Guardian was actually named Carved in Stone, I think it was, or Stony Man, or it was something so stupid. <laughs> so, and I was like, what? Like, I go back, I was cleaning out my computer, and I was like, ooh, that was a horrible title. No, Stone in, in Love with Stone, there it goes. I know it was, it was something so stupid, In Love with Stone. 
I was like, I don't think that's going to, I'm glad I didn't keep that title. That was stupid. Um, so no, I don't, I don't go in knowing titles. I usually like, if you look at it, it says book three or it'll have where it's supposed to go or the publish date, or I'll have it, the main character's name. So that, and I usually like, um, one of my beta readers, she came out with the, like the book name for book four. I was like, ah, that sounds good. And if I still like it when it's time to publish, I'll keep it. So will you share the name of book four? So far, it's Royal Guardian. Um, so, okay, let me see. Book one is Fire. Book two is Fire. Book three is Earth. And then book four is Spirit. So she's a conduit. She, um, she amplifies everybody's powers. But she's also, she's very quiet. She grew up in... She was supposed to be part of Hidden Guardian, which, ugh, I hated the name, so I had to change it. But um, she grew up away from everyone. She, she didn't have human contact, gargoyle contact. She just had her mother who passed away. So it's going to be interesting as I try to navigate her into the realm of civilization at all. And her mate is the king's son, which is like, wait, so you went from being a nobody, sort of, to being like, you know, you're going to help rule the kingdom someday. So it should be interesting. Yeah, I look forward to reading that. I, I like the, the unlikely hero stories or the a fish out of water, and uh, those are always fun to read. Um, so do you have any... When is there Actually, when is book three coming out? Do you have an estimated release date for that? I know you're in, you're in edits... I was looking and hoping for September. Um, it's probably been either late September or early October, only because edits kind of um, slowed down a little bit. I started, I, I was looking back over my edit notes, and I was like, oh, yeah. At one point, they're talking, but you can't tell where they are. You know, things like that that happen, so I have to go back and correct a lot of things. Also, because of the fact that I'm working on two other books at the same time, so I'm working on three books right now. So I'm, I'm like, you know what, to make, it, to make all of them the best they could be, I probably have to, you know, spread it out a little more. So I'm looking at October, probably October. Okay. And I know that we're working on an anthology, um, AR, myself, and uh, you, and that will be coming out sometime later this year. That will be fun. Oh, yes. I love. Oh, by the way, that is going to be an amazing book. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Um, <laughs> only because that I think made me want to do African lore. That one is based on a um, that one is based on a I believe it's an Ethiopian lore. No, 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 that's Beauty and the Beast. But they're all in the same they're all in the same world. So it's gonna be basically you're gonna be in Ethiopia, you're gonna be in Kenya, you're gonna be in Kong. I mean, all of the African countries. I'm taking a little piece of their lore and pushing it all together, and it's going to be amazing. Well, good. I look forward to reading it. Uh, Amy, I'm not sure if you can see the chat. Did you have more questions? I, I do. I have a couple more. Okay, go ahead. Um, so, Paulina, I'm super excited that you're going to write sci-fi romance because I love sci-fi romance, and I'm a huge science nerd. Um, do you do any research when you write your books? Um, do you read a lot in the genre that you're going to write in before you start? 
or is it kind of a you make your own rules um, type thing where you don't really pay attention to what other people in the genre are doing? Um, where do you think you lie in that situation? I don't pay attention. If you, I mean, it, with my one series, fantasy romance, I have a hard time because I, I don't pay attention. I just write what I like. So the same thing's going to happen in my sci-fi one. I do do research, um, but I think I'm going to go along the route of, like, um, the bigger sci-fi books where I don't explain things. So at one point, they have a little pill that they took, and it helped them breathe, easy, breathe easier. And I've had people go, well, how does that work? And I just look at them. Um, who cares how it works? It works. You know, like certain things I think if you over-explain that it boggles down the reader and they're just like, they're going through explanations instead of the book. Um, but I do research on certain things like why would the air become unbreathable. That one's kind of boggling my mind right now. I'm, I'm still wading through it. Um, I do research on, you know, like building materials and that kind of stuff because later on they have to actually build houses that was that will give them fresh air inside but still allow them to go outside protection from certain things so for the most part yes I do research but most of it comes from in my head that's kinda um, where I come from too with science I I do enough research to make it believable and um, the rest of it is usually made up hence the fiction in science fiction but um so, tell me, um, are there any other genres? I know you said you're thinking about maybe like um, a clean or a sweet romance for um, westerns, um, which I love westerns, by the way. But um, are there any other genres you want to jump into um, sometime down the road? Anything that's interesting or exciting? Maybe a punk genre that you're going for or um, anything that you'd be interested in writing? Unmute. Unmute yourself. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, I was thinking of doing a Shifter Romance one. I have the first book actually done, but it's just sitting there. So I have a Shifter one I want to do. Um, probably not going to go into Punk. Um, I'm reading one now, and it's good, but, you know... I don't see myself actually writing something like that. Like I said, yes, I'll do the clean romance, western. <laughs> and um, no, I think I'll stick with fantasy. I, I love fan I love making up my own rules. I don't I don't want to follow any other genre. Mostly, like if you go into contemporary, um, you have to. There's you know there's rules you have to follow. You can't just be like, she doesn't like him. Ooh, can she just turn him into a toad? Oh no, she can't. So I kind of I'm gonna stick with my fantasy. I, I um, I don't blame you for liking the um, freedom that comes with writing fantasy. Um, I think that's kind of appealing to all of us who write fantasy because, uh, you when you merge the supernatural and the reality, um, it kind of gives opens up all kinds of opportunities. Um, I just saw a comment that came up that said, "I like fairy tale rewrites." Um, is that something you'd ever do? Rewrite a fairy tale? 
gender swap a fairy tale. Um, we talked about this once. We'd really like to do like a villain wins a fairy tale, um, which Disney kind of stole that from us. But still, um, is there anything like that that you'd be interested in doing? Yes. Um, actually, my I'm doing Beauty and the Beast rewrite, but she's a pirate, <laughs> and he's of course. If I ever write a story and there's a beast in it, just be warned, he's staying the beast. Um, or she's staying a beast. I'm not shift-changing. I'm shift-changing. Shift <laughs> um, because I believe, like, I fell in love with a white guy. I'm not going to be like, I wish you were black. Here, let me paint you. You know, because I fell in love with who he is. <laughs> if you fall in love with a monster, congratulations. They're a monster. So I'm doing beauty. You got a monster. monster. I love monsters. Um, I'm doing, like I said, you know, most of the lore, but I'm not going to do like fairy tales from the Western cultures. I think I want to kind of tackle the ones from in the in the Africa on the African continent because theirs are amazing. Like I didn't know that like creation, their creation stories are so cool. Like one of them is, um, I guess this guy was lonely, so then he he like had like a bunch of kids with I don't even know how he had them. By the way, he didn't have them with a the person, so. Eh. They're, it's weird, but some of them were good, some of them were evil, so some became angels, some became demons. And so I'm like, ooh, that's a good story. You know, just like little things like that. So I think I'm going to rewrite a lot of fairy tales, but they're not going to be from Western cultures. That's really cool. I, I like the idea that you're going to take um, other cultures and, and really um, quote-unquote diverse storylines um, you know, are something that I think are severely lacking in romance. Um, when your hero or your heroine are not um, particularly white with blonde hair and blue eyes and long legs and big boobs and big muscles, um, which tends to be a lot of the typical, you know, thing that you see. Um, I think readers, a lot of readers are really looking for diversity. So I think you're probably on the good road with that. Yes, but I'm sorry to say this. Um... I'm going to stick with my guys with big arms. Yeah. <laughs> they have to be, have big arms. But I... Didn't you I'm say you want to write a beta male romance, though? I am. He, well, he's going to show... It's an Omega. He's going to have, have big arms? Omega. Huh? He's going to have big arms? Well, he has to. He's a shifter. But, you know, he's he, his personality is Omega. And, oh, I won't... I, I got to tell you this one, too, I guess. He's Omega. His mate is going to be more of an alpha female. She's human. And so when he... You'll meet him in book three, and you will hate him, but it's okay, because he's going to redeem himself in about book four or five. But his mate is a human lawyer <laughs> who's patterned after a girl at work I don't like. So <laughs> I, I wrote her to be likable, because that's the only way I could work with her. It's <laughs> to say, okay, look, she's likable. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm going to write some om Omegas and some Betas, but they're still going to have beautiful arms. I'm sorry. You can, you can be an Omega with tell, nice arms. Um, tell readers what Omegas and Betas are. Well, just in case Omega, they don't know. An Omega is the lowest of the lowest in the pack. They, if you're talking about a shifter pack, they're the ones who actually go and do, like, all the things nobody wants to do. Like, my Omega, he watches the pups, um... He's sent into the witch's camp to deliver messages. Um, if there's, like, let's say they had chamber pots, he would clean them. That's his job. And a, a beta's job is to take 
pressure off the off the alpha. So the alpha makes the rules, tells the betas what to do, and usually there's four to five betas, and they kind of dictate to everyone else how everything works. So Omega kicking the kick bag, and the beta is kind of the enforcer, I guess you can call him. So I'll be writing about both of them. Does your Omega have a chip on his shoulder? No, he's actually really sweet, but he's... He's sweet, but he's also like kind of skittish. His whole family's Omega, so he's he grew up being Omega. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to kind of see him grow into his own and to see what his mate does, because his mate's very you know she's a high power of attorney. She's she's used to getting her own way. She's used to being the boss. I just want to see what happens when she finds out that she's stuck with a guy who turns into a coyote. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. Um. So for this Omega, I just saw another question on the chat. Um, does he get a, his raise in his stature, or is he going to stay in Omega? Is that is that his story arc, is that he has to come to terms with the fact that he is an Omega, accept his role in the pack, or...? He's an Omega. I'm not... Um, I think that pack... Like, you can raise probably from a beta to an Omega, but I don't believe that you can move from Omega to an Alpha. You can move from a Beta to an Alpha, but not from an Omega to an Alpha. Um, only because that you're basically, as an Omega, you're un, you're, there's Alpha, there's Beta, there's a Pack, and then there's Omega. So you're going to be climbing a bunch of ladders to get to the top. And he was, he was born with, and, and to me, it's more like a gene. It's kind of like, okay, this is what they this is what you are. You are an Omega. You just... Most packs treat their Omegas better. This pack is broken. Like, you know, Omegas are not punching bags per se. Like, yeah, they do the jobs somebody else wants to do, but they're also taken care of. They're, you know, they make sure they have houses. They make sure that they have... They mate. They have kids. So they're part of the pack. They're just lower on the rank of the pack. So it sounds like you already have it all figured out. Yes. And yes, you should start rewriting. <laughs> Sorry, someone was like, I should start rewriting people <laughs> I don't like. It's easier to look at them when you're at work a little bit. And then they really piss you off, just kill them off. Then be like, bring them back and kill them again. It works. Um, does anybody else have any questions for Paulina? I don't. Um, uh, Renee? I'm good. Okay, we actually yeah, are at, we've got 10 minutes left. Uh, so we do have a little bit of space to fill. Paulina, you said, like, at the first episode, we were like, hey, mixers and drinks, and I was the only one drinking and looked like quite the lush. So I noticed everyone else is drinking, but Paulina, what do you have? I have wine, so I'm not, I'm helping you guys, see? I have a New Belgium Heavy Watermelon beer today. Ooh. It sounds better than it is. <laughs> Renee, what do you have? I couldn't see that. Was that your menage a trois? Oh, no. That's my book. My wine is a package. Ah. 
Ooh. Gotcha. Is it sweet? Uh, not really. I mean, it's. I guess for a red, it probably is, but it's not a sweet wine. I like sweet wine. I do too. I have limoncello, is Ooh. what it's called. And then it's We're like old. a lemony flavored wine. That it's, good. Good. it's a little sweet. Hmm. I picked it up in the grocery store. <laughs> We're not all winos. Yay! Well, except for somebody. It's a Vero. No, no, I normally a wino. I normally actually like um, Barefoot brand um, Moscato, which is really sweet. Uh, it's like melt your teeth out Moscato. sweet. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't have any of that in the fridge today, which I'll have to remedy quickly. Uh, but I had, I had this. I'm trying to get my husband to brew um, some mead, which is wine made out of honey. No luck so far. That's what I have to work on, is finding like the different beers that work. Not for me to drink, but for my books. Like anybody else have to like do research and think, okay, like you know, they did mead, but they did it because of the fact that it was easier, you know, kind of easier to make and stuff. I'm like, because I can't have alcohol that's hard to make in like a post-apocalypse world. Hmm. Moonshine. Yeah. You can make moonshine from spare car parts. Spare car parts. Well, they do travel in a bus. I guess they can have a moonshine somewhere on a moonshine maker thingy on there somewhere. Actually, you should. I think there's a documentary called like How Beer Saves the World or something like that. Um, the brewing beer process actually makes rancid water safe to drink. So uh, a lot of the ancient cultures didn't drink water, they drank beer or ale or something fermented because it was safe to drink and it wouldn't give them bacterial infections and kill them. So I would totally imagine that in a post-apocalyptic type of setting that they would also revert back to drinking fermented uh, beers and ales and whatnot because you have to boil the water to get it to ferment um, and that makes it safe to drink. Hmm. Ideas. Sense. Yeah, now that, that answers that. Oh, my kitty! Come here! Oh, wait, never mind. My dog came too. See, Renee, my cat looks like yours. Let me see if you can find him. There he goes. For, hey, oh, no, no ball he's like cute. He does look like Willie. I don't know where Willie yes. went. He was hanging out on the desk over here. But he's gone. Well, he's, a, he's a baby. He's. I think yours is way older than mine. I think he's like Three years old? Oh, mine's nine. Oh, mine's nine. Yeah, he's ancient. ancient. Yeah, no. I have an ancient dog. She's 11, 13, something. She's old. Gray hair and everything. Huh. What are you looking at? Does anybody else have their cat look at the ceiling or a certain place all the time and meow? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's not just me. He doesn't meow. My cat doesn't make any noise. But she'll stare at something for a long time. But he stares at the same spot. I think there's a ghost in my room. Gremlins. Well, you know what? If you're going to be a gremlin in my house, you need to clean. Don't just Ancient take Egyptians my air. said that cats were the gates to the netherworld. That I can believe. So maybe. They have Satan yeah. souls. Because remember the movie Constantine? He looked into the cat's eyes when he was holding his feet in the water so he could go to hell. Remember that? 
Yes, I love that movie. That's how, that's how you get to hell. Stare in your cat's eyes. <laughs> or just um, walk by when he's mad. <laughs> One of the two. Or he'll smother you while you're sleeping. No, I think when cats, you know how cats lick you? I think they're testing the waters to see if you're going to taste good. That's that's my thing. So they can eat you when you die, like they do the yep. old ladies with 50 cats? Yeah, because dogs won't eat their owners if the, do if the owner dies. But cats, they're like, oh, yeah, let's go. Look, a smokish board. Freaking cats. And I can't get rid of him because he's my boyfriend's cat that I have at my house. So I had to fall in love with him. He don't leave socks over my house, but he leaves a cat. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> I'm a very uncat-like cat. Someday if he's your husband, he'll leave socks all over your house, I promise. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't believe in that, so he's never going to marry me, so we're good. He better not leave socks in my house. I'll burn them! <laughs> he has his That's own house to do the laundry. You know, that is true. I had a roommate. Okay, I know this is off-topic a lot, but anyways, I had a roommate who refused to wash her laundry. <laughs> she would just go buy more. <laughs> Let's just say I left that I left that roommate situation very quickly. <laughs> but I was like, why don't you just wash your clothes? It's cheaper a little bit. And she was just like, oh, no, this is better. So she would take, like, garbage bags out and just throw her clothes away. I was like, wow, you must be rich. I can't just throw my clothes away when I don't want them anymore. That's concerning now because some of the the dyes they use in our clothing isn't really meant to be worn. That's why they recommend you wash it first. So I wonder if she's getting like toxins in her body from not laundering her clothing. Well, she has something wrong with her head. Probably. <laughs> Who knows? Oh goodness. So I think we're going to wrap it up. We've got three minutes till the top of the hour. Um, Paulina, why don't you tell everybody where everybody can find you? Well, you can find me on my website, which is www.paulinawoods.com, or on Amazon. And right now on Amazon, Kobo, and Barnes & Noble, um, Stone Guardian is $0.99, cents, and Captive Guardian is one ninety nine. Don't know how much longer I'm going to keep them at those prices, but for right now they are. And also, you can find me on Facebook. I'll answer any messages and probably add you as a friend as long as you're not a creepy guy and sending me dick pics. Or a creepy girl sending me dick pics. <laughs> or sending me dick pics. So, I will add you. <laughs> oh, God, thanks. Right when I said that. <laughs> He can't hear you. <laughs> it's so funny. I was like, uh, oops. <laughs> okay. Um, Amy, why don't you tell everybody where they can find information about you? I'm ordering. You can follow me on Twitter at ARDClerk. Find me on Facebook, um, author Amy DeClerk. And you can check out my website slash blog, which is www.ardclerk, it's D-E-C-L-E-R-C-K, dot com. And Renee? 
you can find everything you need to know at ReneeMason.com. That's R-E-N-E-A Mason.com. Okay, and my uh, website is lclops.com, E-L-L-E-C-L-O-U-S-E dot uh, com. <clears throat> we, uh, Focus on Fantasy Romance does have a blog. It is focusonfantasyromance.wordpress.com and we post all of our our episodes there so you can always catch up on uh, back catalogs. And I'm going to work on getting things into uh, the actual podcast so you can actually find us on, like, on iTunes and whatnot. And next week we are actually going to do a book chat. So we are going to all read the same book and then talk about it for an hour, hopefully, on the air. Uh, we're going to read The Last Necromancer by C.J. Archer, which on Amazon right now, the Kindle version is free. So if you wanted to grab a copy and then uh, join us next week, <clears throat> we can talk about that. So unless anyone has anything pressing to share, I think we'll wrap it up. Everybody's good? Good. Okay. Well, thanks and have a nice night. Goodbye.